Welcome to the Sober Podcast, hosted by Jack Herovich, talking all things mental health, business, finance, and all-round shit talk. We'd like to thank our sponsors, T-Boy, Performance Ice Tea, and Hiatus Non-Alcoholic Beer. Big Jay, how are we? I'm good, brother. Good. Just a crazy little Thursday afternoon here in Byron Bay. That's it, mate. Talking to a bunch of legends. It's not a bad life, is it? <laughs> yeah, look, to be honest, um, when I scale back and, and look at like life, it's pretty fucking good. It's not bad, is it? Apart from, you know, the rain. Mm. But, you know, I'm sure other people have got bigger things to complain about than a bit of rain. Um, yeah, no. It's, welcome, it's, um... to, um, welcome to Sober. Second guest. <laughs> So I'm starting at you know the top of my list and working my way down. So you're you're up there, mate. I feel honoured. Uh, you should, you should. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think you know if you want to just give everyone a bit of a, an intro into what you're doing, who you are, and um, obviously you know Genoa is a uh, you know a pro in the meditation world, and um, you know, quite where I went out. I even gave him a Google the other day and there's about two pages of all these news articles on it, which I didn't know. So you're quite the, wow. you're quite the man in the, in the industry, mate. <laughs> I have to go Google myself, see what comes up. Eh? Any juice there? Any good ones? Any juicy ones? Oh, very juicy, mate. Some of them are, no, they're good. Uh, men's Health, I saw, and yeah, a few other bits and pieces with um, mm. you. So quite interesting, mate. So yeah, what what's... Uh, like, yeah, you know, obviously I've worked with you a bit, but what's your kind of, I guess, workings that you're doing at the moment and your kind of, you know, your style and way you do it? Mate, there's um, there's a few things that I'm doing at the moment and it's, it's always evolving and changing and, and growing, but I guess the fundamental of what I do and why I do it, and obviously the way I do it kind of ties back into the, the original brand that I created that I launched called My Maverick. And the whole idea of sort of the maverick was the idea of the maverick being someone who runs to the beat of their own drum and kind of fucks with the system a bit. Yeah. Who isn't held back by like fear and, and stress and anxiety and, and worried about things. A maverick kind of just goes for it and he's a bit of a trailblazer. And when I think of like the mind of a maverick, the mind of a maverick is like, creative and it sees opportunities and it tries new things it thinks outside the box and that was a big part of what i brought into my work and when i first first entered like leaving the booze game so you know from slinging alcohol to wellness and meditation i jumped ship i kind of burnt the boat without really having a proper action plan for it or savings i was in debt and just sort of jumped across but the reason what i was really motivated to to do that was because I looked at the space of wellness and meditation in particular and having meditated for a while and experiencing the profound impact that it can have on your life, like on my life, I was like, wow, if only more people could look at this in a different way. And what I mean by that is when I looked at meditation, I was a skeptic. I thought it was all bullshit, bunch of hippies, fucking rah, rah, join a cult, you know, in robes, woo-woo. And it was because most of the teachers and people that I saw out there had that feeling and essence to me. And not saying there's anything to see wrong with that style, but that just didn't fit for me. And it was a reason why I didn't give it the time of day. I think right? that's how most people see it too, right? Mm. Yeah. 
And so had I not have by a chance met someone who was slightly different and they like had their own business on the side and in hospitality because that's where I was working at the time and then a PR company, it was Jackie, you know, she lives up here in Byron as well and she ended up becoming a great friend of mine. It was the first person that I'd seen with meditation and I was like, oh, this is a teacher who's like real, you know, and there was no hierarchy and guru bullshit with her. It was just like, this is a great practice. Let's learn it. Yeah. And I looked at one of my mates and I was like, which of my friends, like, I'm interested in performance, right? I want to perform better. I'm always like, what's, what's, how can we better? What I have to do, try, right? And looking at my, you know, friend group and people I'd like to work with as well, I was like, no doubt they're interested in being better and performing better. But how could I make it something that actually would, that they'd consider? And so that was sort of the angle I came into the space with. And, you know, I don't, there's no hiding about the fact that you'll see me out at a bar drinking at 1am on a weekend or, you know, partying and, you know, she can see my language doesn't really change, you know, and there's no purest front of what you suddenly become when you meditate or you become a meditation teacher. And I've been, while some people, I've been challenged, you know, on that by some people, I'm like, well, find, a, find your spiritual guru in person if that's what you want, but that's not me. I'll teach you the core fundamentals and the technique with ultimate respect to how it's taught and the tradition. And yeah. like I studied it for 18 months. I didn't mess around. I did the whole proper process for it. But it's just a different way that I um, deliver it and work with it. And so I bring that into everything that I do. So there's obviously there's Mind Maverick, and I'm sure we'll talk about this in the future now. There's Momentum, which is the men's wellness um, business and then we've now recently launched Tribe of Mavericks, which is a retreat company with um, Blake as well. So, you know, I experiment with everything from psychedelics to, you know, whatever to kinesiology. Like, there's so much. I'm always interested in looking at what's what's going on and, and what's working. So, um, that's what I bring into my work. Mate, that's incredible. And it's like you you bring as you know as many techniques and and uh, you know practices that you can. Mm. And yeah, you know, I, lo- I love the way, you know, I think, yeah, you're, you're right. Like when I first thought of, you know, meditation, I often thought of Buddhism. Like, you know, a monk, mm. you know, sitting there in yeah. peace for 12 hours a day, not allowed to do this, not allowed to do that. <clears throat> and I think, yeah, I think, it, I think it, I'd like to think it's changed now, especially with more people like yourself and it has normalizing it. Um, I think it was very woo woo before. Mm. Now it's becoming, you know, you've got your, was it Ray, Ray Dilio? He was, he Ray was, Dalio, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, the biggest VC fund, um, you know, one of the biggest VC funds in the world. And he's, he's the biggest, yeah. Was his biggest key to success. So, you know, it's it's pretty wild to see, you know, what comes up. And, you know, sometimes it takes a few big names to, to talk about it, mm. you know, like Chris Hemsworth and whatever to, to make, <laughs> oh, you know, if he does it, then maybe I can do it too. Um, yeah. So that's, that's pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah, and there's like when you remove the stigma, like because I also work with, and I think the Buddhist you spoke about Buddhism there, like the fundamentals of the Buddhist philosophy are amazing. Like yeah. there are a lot of the techniques, the the tools that are used in like positive psychology, and the the basics of it, you know, two and a half thousand years ago is when the Buddha was around, and the core principles of the Buddhist philosophy are as relevant, if not more, now. It's timeless. And it has nothing to do with being religious. Mm. You don't have to 
pray or believe in a God, like, but it wasn't a God, it was a man. And that's what I love about this work is when you move like the veil of the religious dogma or the bullshit or the, there, cause there are a lot of people that are, that do take some of the knowledge and push it the wrong way. And that does a yeah. disservice to some of the amazing messages that can come from this knowledge. So yeah, what I love to do is, as you said, like explore some of these different modalities and look at it and go, well, how is this relevant to how we live and how can it help us live better? And how can we take that out without the, the stigma that would sort of hold people back from, from being open. And you're right now it's, it's now now become almost normal and it's almost I look at it now and, and I'm sure you do like as a moniker if I see someone who's you know meditating and doing breath work all that kind of stuff I'm like you're ahead of the game you're a forward thinker that's now how I see them and I, and I feel like that's evolving as as as, as we go and the, the, the second you know the laggards and late adopters are starting to jump on board now like oh you know you've got your apps as well which are really cheap and easy to access to give people a taste even though I don't really like the apps, I sort of try to get people off the apps. There's still a you know, so good way to dip the toe in the water. What's your kind of viewpoint on those apps? Because this does seem to be, I mean, I've, I've done a couple of them in the past, um, obviously before I did the, 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 the you know, meditation course and work with you. What do you mm. like, think they're, they're beneficial to an extent or do you think they're just more of a, you know, halfway, you know, dipping your toe in type analogy? Both. So... I mean, there's a few parts to that. Like one is meditation is like exercise. There are lots of different types and ways of doing that that work better for different people. So for some people, they just, they really like really fundamentally prefer plugging in, lying back, having someone guide them and talk them through it, you know, step by step by step. And they're more the mindfulness styles of, of, of practice that are on the apps. Uh, however, I still the power and potency of meditation doesn't need you to be plugged in to an app and like the way i teach in the mind maverick method like i'll teach you how to meditate so you never have to be guided by me ever again yeah. you never have to plug into an app we, we, we text everywhere anyway right this is the and to think that we have to be plugged into our phone to meditate for me doesn't feel right and from my research and personal experience and um i don't recall many of my students actually they probably wouldn't tell me if they did <laughs> but that have learned and then gone back to the app because they find they found it better <laughs> so that's probably that's probably um biased and not true um <laughs> numbers there because no one's going to call me and say by the way mate but anyway that's, yeah. that's what i take on it um so yeah. while i see <laughs> i see apps as like the gateway drug they yeah. can give you a taste right but often I think there's a little confusion because people will like, they'll try an app. It'd be like trying to train online. Like, be like, hang on a second, am I doing this right? Am I, is this how I'm meant to be doing deadlift? I've never done a deadlift before, am I, you know? Yeah. Versus having someone like teach you and you're like, ah, I get it. It's not meant to feel like this. This is why it feels wrong because I was doing this one little thing wrong here. And so that's the power of actually being taught as opposed to jumping on an app, having someone guide you. You're not really sure what you're doing. and there's often there's a bit of confusion around people thinking they need to clear their mind because often there's some language around and clear your mind of the day and let your mind empty of thoughts. And I remember well, for yeah. me, I was like, I remember that. Yeah, I was like, well, yeah, yeah. Like, how the how fuck are you clearing, you clearing your mind? <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, interesting. They have their place, hundred percent. And yeah. but my thing is like, I want to get you off the apps. Like mm -hmm. people who love them, 
great, go for it. I was looking into there's about, you know, a 20 to 40% attrition rate on apps like Headspace, one of the biggest ones out there. So it's 20 to 40% of people that try it and fall off. There's a lot of people that it's not working for. So there's another style out there. Yeah. Well, I suppose it's adding like another step in terms of doing it. But if you think about your, like, you know, the meditation style you teach, <clears throat> it's just you and, you know, make, and your, um, and your commitment, you know, your discipline mm. to it. Like as an app, mm. you know, oh, my phone's dead. I can't meditate. Oh, I don't yeah. have my head. My headphones. Oh, you know, there's a lot of things start coming, you know, excuses. There's a big list of excuses that can fall into that. As I found with yours, it's like, well, you don't need anything. You just need yourself. <laughs> not even a, you know, a watch at best. Um, yeah. So that's cool. And that's, that's the bit, you know, the beneficial bit I found about it. Because I often find myself, you know, I think, oh, that's a cool app. You know, that's got to, you know, stop me doing this or teach me doing this. But it's, there's always excuses like, oh, you know, you find little things to, so mm -hmm. I like the, the, the least amount of things that come in between you and what you want to do, you know, the better because then it just rules out any, you know, key for distraction or, you know, discipline slips. Yeah, the resistance is real. And when you want to resist it, you'll find a way to excuse, find oh, an yeah. excuse. Yeah. <laughs> I would, yeah, I often find myself, you know, doing, you know, cleaning the house or mopping the floor or cleaning out the fridge before I try and meditate, which, you know, you, you find yourself, your brain's just, yeah, it does have that resistance to it, which is strange. But I suppose it, you know, it has it with a few things like fitness. People find it with, you know, getting to the gym. Yeah, you know, like at the start of the year, people, you know, isn't there a huge number of people that sign up to to gyms after post New Year's, and then the mm. it's like gastronomical post that. So yeah, I think it's those, you know, I think society in general has problems with discipline and you know just keeping yourself on track to what you said you're going to do. We're we're super distracted, super super distracted, and. Another part of it is, is that I, I fully believe that when we decide we want to do something, we need to get super clear on why. Mm. Like a lot of people are like, oh, I want to get fit this year or I should, I should be meditating. And that's not enough. You know, or you, your partner's kind of in your ear about, you know, you, you um, meditating or whatever it is. That's not enough. Yeah. And so we need to get really, really clear on like, well, what is the, the benefit? Like, what am I? Because a lot of people don't understand meditation properly, to be honest. They're like, oh, I think it's going to make me less anxious, but they don't really know. And so they're like, oh, I should, I know I should be doing it, but my mind's too crazy. And they kind of do it for a bit, doesn't feel good. And then they fall off the wagon. So I think it's really important to know like, with anything, like, why are you doing it? Like, why do you want to invest the time? In exercising what's the byproduct of that in your life does it mean you're gonna um feel stronger more energy you know be able to recover quicker look better naked you know all the things that like you might give a fuck about right really you know uh, and, and how does that or what are the negative impacts if you're not like you put on more weight you get tired you get sick you might die earlier <laughs> you know die younger yeah you know look like shit naked and, and your partner doesn't want to fuck you anymore like who like Start. You got to start thinking about what are the the second or third consequences of you doing or not doing something as well, and get really clear on that. Um, and then the second piece is accountability. So having like calling it because we let ourselves off with murder. We make little commitments to ourselves. Ah, yeah. uh, I'll start next week, and that also impacts our self worth. And you talk about like self worth and confidence. Like every time you break a promise to yourself, imagine if you broke promises to a friend, the same amount you broke to yourself. Do you reckon that friend will still be friends with you? They're had enough by now. Yeah, and so even that in itself, right? Like it's, um, 
it's really, really important that you find also some level of accountability. So it's maybe you call yourself out to someone and say, hey, this is what I want to do. This is why. This is the impact it's going to have in my life, blah, blah. I want to do it. Like get really clear. It's going to be 10 minutes a day, five days a week, and set a realistic target as well. Because sometimes we can go gung-ho. We've never trained before. We're like, yeah, I'll do seven days for 30 days, you know, or 30 days straight. It's like, that's ridiculous. Start with three. Make it, make it doable and build yourself up. So there's a few little – it's a combination of reasons why a lot of that stuff um, falls away really quickly after the first 30 days. Yeah, totally. And I suppose, like, by setting yourself smaller goals that, that are achievable, bigger goals, when you, when you accomplish them, there's a, there's a sense of, like, you know, you feel fucking good about yourself rather than being like, oh, my God, I missed it again. Oh, I didn't do it again. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'd imagine that would be a you know, give people a better feeling of they're actually doing it rather than just missing, you know, not do, accounting for any of the stuff that they've done. Yeah, well, it builds confidence and it provides evidence of you embodying the identity that you say you want to step into. What I mean by that is, is by you saying, okay, I want to be someone who trains or meditates, right? And then you, you don't, you're not that person yet. That's the identity you want to, take on but you're not there yet and you set this ridiculous expectation and you do it for you last a week and then you fall off the wagon for a week and you look back you're like oh i'm not i'm not that person right yeah. as opposed to i want to step into the identity of someone who meditates or trains and you decide to do it twice a week for ongoing you look back and you go for a month you're like oh i am that person because i've meditated as i set out to do twice a week or train twice a week does that make sense and then when we see evidence of that, we can believe it within ourselves. And it's in our nature to behave in ways unconsciously that support who we believe we are. So it's like you can almost like hack yourself um, into getting it done because we ultimately will always be driven to um, act and behave in a way that supports who we think we are. Um, so you want to make it as easy as self as possible you know, Yeah. when you're uh, starting new habits. And I guess like so for your um your style of meditation is Vedic meditation. Correct me if I'm wrong. Vedic, yeah. Vedic, yeah. I call it Vedic. Word wrong every single time. <laughs> Vedic, Vedic. Uh, yeah, hundred ways to skin a cat, though, right? Um, so what's mm. like? There's, there's <laughs> obviously, <laughs> there's a there's a few like multiple styles of meditation. So, mm. like Vedic compared to you know others, what's the you know I guess not benefits, but the key differences between them, and why did you pick Vedic? Mm. So, I'd initially dabbled with some apps and been guided at the end of meditation, at the end of yoga, and I was like, it just felt like I, I didn't know what I was doing. I felt like I was doing it wrong. Felt like I wasn't doing anything for me, and I was like, nah, that didn't work. And I wasn't. I didn't search out Vedic. I met someone who was a Vedic teacher and they were this, that was Jackie and that was a person who was like, oh, this person's normal, but they're operating at this high level. I was like, "What? I want what they have. What's the secret source? Right? And that's what got me into Vedic and then I studied it as in I learnt Vedic and started meditating and then it's, I was like, wow. It wasn't like a boom, yeah. you know, meditate for a week and I was healed. <laughs> it was more like a consistent. I was consistent. I just did it every day, twice a day, 20 minutes. I was like, I'm in. And I did it consistently and then things started to shift and I was like, ah. So that was why that was why Vedic and I was like, this this changed the game for me. And the other stuff I tried hadn't really done much. I hadn't really understood it. 
and the fundamental difference of Vedic versus like Vedic comes under the sort of non-directive style of meditation. So the directive ones is like your mindfulness, visualization, focus, contemplation, uh, body scans, because you're trying to do something. You're trying to visualize something. You're trying to scan your body, focus on a flame, whatever it is. With um, the Vedic style or TMs, another similar style, and, and the Maverick method, which is what I teach, and I've adapted a version of that, work to the mantra. And a mantra in this case isn't a, it's not a affirmation, it's a sound vibration. Like OM, for example, is a version of a mantra. And there's no meaning behind it. And it's just based on using sound vibration. And the idea is you just whisper that sound in your mind just quietly. And it's not meant to be done in a certain sequence or, you know, said in a really strict, specific way or done in groups of three or you're not meant to focus so hard on the mantra and, you know, bash out all your thoughts. It's just like this light word that you say inside your mind. And when your mind engages with this word that has no rational meaning, it stops trying to think, solve, do. And even if it's just for like 30 seconds or a minute when the mind de-excites, because all it's doing is, is like it's almost like humming this sound and not trying to do anything. It's like, oh, just for a moment in time. It's just engaging the sound. It doesn't mean anything. And our eyes are closed. We're sitting down. We're comfy. And due to the mind and body being ultimately connected or one, the, yeah. the body then de-excites, right? And the body comes to a state of rest. Because we're so used to always like thinking, solving, worrying, you know, future, past, blah, blah, you know, recovery. For a moment in time, the body and the mind is like, because we're not trying to force anything. We're not trying to visualize anything. And so we have these moments through meditation where our body and mind are just like, and the body and the mind have profound natural intelligence. Like we're always trying to find balance. Everything in nature is trying to find balance, right? And when I talk about profound intelligence, like our bodies naturally know how to heal. You cut yourself, do you tell it how to heal itself? Nope. The female body grows a baby by itself. Do we tell it what to do? No. That's what I'm talking about. I talk about innate intelligence, mm. right? When our bodies are not stressed, when our bodies are calm and rested, our healing ability is so much stronger. Like you heal quicker if you're not sick, right? Like say if you're run down, like you're not going to heal as quick or your cut's not going to heal as quick. Yeah. Same as like, so we, the way our bodies work is we accumulate stress and tension and fatigue. We accumulate, accumulate, accumulate. Even if you don't, even if you say you're not stressed out to be a human being in this world, you are accumulating stress on the body. It's just what happens, right? Just like you go to the gym, you put your body under stress and not all stress is bad, but it's like we accumulate it, but our bodies, we need to be able to process this stress. And so what happens is it builds up over time. It's almost like you're shaking up a soda bottle every day. Bit of stress, bit of stress, bit of stress, you know, big day at work, argument, blah, blah. And over time, what most people find is that at one stage, that bottle is going to burst open. And what most people do is they will push through until things blow open. What this meditation is, is doing is allowing you to get to a state every day, ideally twice a day, we start like releasing the pressure releasing some of the stress out and increasing your adaptation energy, which is your ability to come to the day with fresh eyes, more energy, you know, be more resilient, be responsive instead of reactive. And so what we're doing is when we're in that state, we meditate, our body is using its natural intelligence to do some of that deep processing for us. So removing some of the buildup of stress and tension and fatigue out of the body so we've got room to put more in the next day. And that's, that's probably the most simple way 
that I can explain um, this style of meditation. Yeah. So, you know, I guess, you know, it's not like an overnight fix where you just like, oh, I've meditated for 20 minutes. I'm good for the week. It's built nope. up. Over You're time. working off decades of accumulation. Decades. Yeah. Well, depending on how old you are, right? How do you, is there any statistics on like, say, you know, you're a 25 year old male and you've just started meditation. So what you're talking, how, like two, obviously two decades there. How, like, how long do you reckon, you know, before you started really feeling the benefits of it? Different for everyone, dude, mm. because everyone's nervous system, it's all based on your nervous system. Everyone's nervous system is so different. This is why I'm also very wary of um, promising too much. Like, there's obviously things like meditation, this type, anyway, will help reduce your anxiety. Like, yeah. I'm yet to meet someone who has learnt this and done it daily and it hasn't helped. Like, so, some things that it will 100% help. When that happens, I can't tell you because your nervous system is so different to mine. Like your experiences in life are so different to mine. And so while there are like, I am confident that no doubt that if I teach you properly and you stick to it, things will shift. Like some people that literally have insomnia and they meditate and they go home that night and they have the first night they've ever slept in their life. Fuck yeah. Other people, they're like, sit there and meditate. And I remember when my mum learned, for example, she was like, I just sit there and think the whole time. <laughs> and I was like, mum, just stick with it. Stick with it. Just keep saying your mantra. Okay. And then, you know, it was it was a few months. It was months into it where she's like, I get it. And I'm like, but it took her sticking with it through the discomfort where a lot yeah. of people would fall off the wagon. Oh, it's not working. It's not for me. And it was lucky because she was like, I said, mum, just promise me one thing. Stick to it. And she's like, yeah. okay. That's why she got there. So it's literally a, and often it's quite a subtle experience as well. It's not like a, wow, I'm healed, like transformation on a week. Like sometimes it's subtle over time. And often, because if it's a slow change, like the boiling frog analogy, if you slowly boil a frog, I actually don't know if this is true. I might be telling a false story here. But the story we tell is that if you slowly boil a frog, you know, it won't know, it won't be able to tell and you'll boil it before it realizes and, and, and jumps out. And so what happens is we regulate and normalize the new experience. <laughs> and so similar to us, if it's a slow shift over time, we'll just regulate and normalize, normalize the new experience. And so for s- some of us were like, I'm not sure if it's really working, mm. but your whole life has changed, but it's just subtly over time. Like your decision-making has shifted. You're just a little bit less anxious than you used to be. And things have, you know, yeah. slowly evolved as they go. So that's often how it works as well. It's not a big smack in the face for everyone. Sometimes it's a lot more subtle, which, and we're an impatient society. We want a big shift. We want it now. And so... If it doesn't happen, we're going to go back to our old ways and hope for a miracle to happen instead. Yeah, totally. I didn't realize you guys mm. so many frogs in your house too. <laughs> There's a few around at night time on the driveway. There is everywhere, especially when the rain comes out. Yeah. Um, so I guess like I've, I've noticed um, you've been doing a bit more like you do you know, your meditation style and then you're doing like a bit of other like coaching work, you know, with your finding your why and, you know, breaking yeah. out of the matrix or you know whatever you label it um how, how's that all like is it even found like a lot of people interested at, at, you know only reason i ask is because i think i've noticed post especially post covid when everyone had that kind of downtime family you know they weren't tied up in the stress of work they started looking at other alternatives to make money and you know other areas of you know that they actually love rather than just doing a job for the sake of mm. the rent buying the groceries making the wife happy yeah so what we what majority of us think is the only way is not the only way 
right? And like it or not, uh, education systems and the way we're brought up, we are designed to follow and stay in the system, right? It's encouraged that you you got to go to high school, and then you at high school start thinking about what university degree you're going to do, right? So you finish, you know, you've learned your stuff through um, high school. You learn, you stress about learning algebra that you'll never have to use again. You have no idea how to start an ABN. <laughs> and then you come out of that, for example, and you start, you, you, then you go into um, uh, university and you've made a decision for the rest, that's going to be the rest of your life by the, by the age of 17 or 18. And then you follow that, get yourself a nice 30K of debt. And then you go into a job and you do nine to five, pay your taxes, put your superannuation in and you get in more debt to buy a house. And then you get a dog and you have a partner and kids and you keep putting your super in. You save up money to go to Bali for a week once a year. And then you ask your boss for permission to have a, have a day off because you want to go pick up your kid from school. And, you know, it's low. We control the whole fucking way through. And then you, the right thing to do is to save, put your money into super, which you have no control over. You can't access it. And then the government tells you when you're old and decrepit <laughs> that you can finally start using it to live to 75. 65, which let's be honest, hopefully by then you're not old and decrepit. Um, but it's almost yeah. like we just push through and wait till we get this, this superannuation payment and we go through the motions and that's what we think life is. And for some people, that's that's what we're going to do. Great. But I would argue that um, a lot of us, it's drilled into us, that's what we should do. And so we do a job and we stick to that job because it's what we should do, right? And I remember when, you know, I f- would feel pride telling people that I was working my way up a company, but yeah. shame if I was like trying, like trying, thinking about starting a new business and working at a cafe to build that business. I would feel shame about that and pride about working for someone else's company, getting paid basic fucking money to build their company, you know, working, coming to work early to be seen by the boss, leaving work early to be seen by the boss in my suit behind a fucking laptop. Right. And so there's all these ways of, of living, which are, which we argue is like, that's the matrix with, told we're just you know all the suits in the bus out the bus go to work sign in sign out you fucking tag you have coffee with something you don't like from work you go home you drink beer whatever. and it's just this cycle we go through and what most people find is they're not happy yeah they don't know what they truly value they don't know their true you know quote-unquote purpose in in life and so what i'm ultimately driven by is to help people unlock their unique why or purpose and when they can understand this something that like intrinsically drives them when they know what this is then they can start looking at values and frameworks and decisions based on that so it doesn't mean you have to suddenly quit your job but you might look at roles or ways you do your job that can help you fulfill that deeper yearning right that deeper why or purpose that you have. And it doesn't mean you have to go start an orphanage. Like that's not what why has to be. It can be something so simple, like, you know, like for example, you know, working on on mine. And it's all based off of your past experiences growing up. So we accumulate experiences, things that hurt us, things that were amazing for us. And off the back of that, we develop this like 
core there's always themes and when you do the process of the people it's really cool because like i listen to them speak and i'm like the themes start dropping and i'm like there you are and so a big part for me is around creating environments where people like feel seen and heard and safe to step into their true quirky outside of the box thinking power so that they can have an impact on the world right and that they can think differently and that that's what fires me up and i was evolving to that without even realizing and a lot of people don't get that opportunity and so once we understand this then you can look at it and go oh cool i can see why this doesn't align with me at all i and even with understanding my core you know unique and it's unique everyone has their own it's unique there's there can be similarities but and also then how you express it is unique right so look at that you know that core driver for me that can be expressed in many ways that can be expressed in a company expressed in my own business it's expressed in my mentoring and so we are constantly searching to fulfill that desire and so when we know what it is and we can make decisions around projects or the brand that we work with or even people building a personal brand. You know, I see lots of people who are like athletes or an influencer or an actor, whatever it is, and they've got this following and they've, you know, they've got these brands that they work with and blah, blah, but they're like, you know, it doesn't, doesn't feel yeah. right, like, right. Cause I don't know what their, their, their core driver is. Once they know this, then it's like, Oh, now I know what brand I need to work with. It's these brands that you need to work with, or these are the partnerships you need to go for. And also you can then charge more because you are niche because the message you're sending out is going to bring in a certain type of people that like connect with that shared value. And yeah. so there's so many different levels and, and power to when you understand what your unique purpose or driver or why is, whether it is to start a business from it, whether it is for a personal brand, or whether it is just to bring more fulfillment into the life that you currently have. Um, and so, yeah, I've, I've been researching, uh, there's like a combination of some cynic stuff, combination of like looking at Ikigai and some of the Japanese work, looking at gene keys, like there's, I'm lo- looking at all the pieces around this puzzle and developing like a pretty cool process to help work this out for people and then help use it for, particularly I sort of specialize in high performers and, and people want to maybe start businesses, but really it's for anyone. So I love it. Um, that's and it can have an impact. I mm. read the, the Ikigai book. It was awesome. Mm. Short little short little blue novel. Mm. I got to, uh, yeah, it was an awesome little read. Wasn't expecting it. I mean, it, I found it was more set of people that were in that retirement stage or, you know, mm. kind of worded. But it's just their kind of way of living and the simp- simplicity of it was cool. And yeah, I, there's a... I also, um, I, you know, you were talking about, you know, the people trying to, you know, find their passion and purpose and i think that's becoming more and more common but i also like like you like what you said there's almost like uh you know this kind of security layer to these like you know to working full-time having your holidays having your sick leave and people feel like oh you know if i you know it's, it's a big risk for them you know say for instance you're bob and you've got three kids and you've got a massive mortgage you mm. want to find then you know you've got this you know cushy job that's paying x amount and ticking all the all the dots, but you break out of that, you know, you're risking all of those things that you've built, which I think is a big thing, especially, you know, with some of the uh, people, I guess I know that maybe in that situation, I, I feel like it would be a, a big risk for them to like kind of jump out a bit. But I guess, you know, if it's, I don't know, I guess it will depend on how much people really want to change, right? Well, there's, there's a few parts to that. One is, and this is why I'm driven by it, the earlier that you understand, 
mm. what your core purpose or why is, the earlier you can make decisions on your career and future before you step into having families. That's one piece of it. So the quicker you get onto this, the better. But also, does it mean that you have to quit your job? Yeah. It, you might actually realise that an avenue for expression actually filters through your current job. Well, there might be a role within your company that's like, ah, this makes sense now. Does that yeah. make, or, or your job might actually provide the security and the funding for you to do a passion project that you don't need to make a shitload of money from. Yeah. So there are multiple ways you can do it. And this is, again, that's a growth mindset. It's like, okay, because there's, there's a difference. Some people are like, yeah, look, I'm just, like they would have listened to you, your comment. They're like, yeah, so that's me. I can't do yeah. it. It's too hard. And there's other people who are like, it's hard, but I'm interested. Like, what's it going to take? I'm going to have a crack. How would it look? Yeah. Is there a different way I can I can do it? What will I sacrifice? How much do you want it? If you don't want enough, fine. Then do your thing, go for the motions, and that's okay. And everyone's built differently. Some people like also to be clear. Like I, I have a certain propensity for uncertainty and challenge, yeah, and fear, and risk, and some people don't have that and so a job of security is better for them this isn't for everyone either and there's no shame around that but i feel there are a lot of people who it is for who are missing out and it's because they're not exposed to it and traditionally it's probably a bit of you know a bit of shade thrown on those sort of thinkers you know I'll, and i've been lucky my family's been like super supportive of me but I, i've I've known stories of like the wild kid who's always trying these projects, and but you never yeah. know, right? Like, what's yeah, the like, biggest? Uh, I read this. Um, every time, every time I get interviewed, a quote drops into my head, but then I butch butcher the quote horrifically because uh, like it drops in, and I can't remember exactly the um, the, the quote. But the certain lines of "Hell on Earth" would be getting to the end of your life and seeing what you could have been or could have done. Totally. And That's I was scary. like, that I was like. I'm not sitting around waiting. Like I'll go down swinging. Like, uh, and I have like I go through phases where like I'm looking at like I'm not paying rent next month, and then I have blocks where I'm like fucking flying, and it's that's the I'm in the early stages of building several businesses, and so that's the process you go through. Um, but worst case scenario is I have a crack for five, for five or ten years trying to build some businesses. Worst case scenario is they don't work. And then I maybe go back and work for someone else if that really has to happen. But then I'm really clear on what that looks like. It ain't going to be a traditional style of, of role, but I'll know I had a crack. And I might be lying there going, imagine what I could have been or what I could have done. Yeah, because it got too hard. Yeah, I think I think you and I are quite similar in that sense where, you know, we, I, well, I personally, like in, in stages like that where you're like, oh, you're going through dips and waves and weaves and whatever, use it as more of a drive. You know, if it's scary and you're in a place where it feels like a bit uncomfortable, then that's a good spot to, you know, use as mm. a bit of, you know, kick in the ass to, to get to where you need to be. Because if you sit in, I find if I sit in this kind of cushy, like everything's cruisy, everything's going well, one, I get bored, and two, it's like, yeah, I, I, I think I, I'm more of a thriver in the in the chaos. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I imagine, you, you know, you, you kind of love that too with, you know, your multiple business streams and whatever else going on for you. Yeah. I mean, again, everyone's got a different design of how they operate best and it's important to understand what yours is and what works for you. Um, but I'd say for everyone, there needs to be a level of challenge, like a little bit of discomfort 
yeah. is where we like we're literally getting groomed just to be these we are comfort seeking beings but even more so now everything's just like one tip or click or whatever away or swipe away we don't have to do anything anymore there's no grit there's no challenge no going out and getting shit done and so yeah. we're losing that yeah we're losing that drive yeah it, it's, i think it's been and it's continued and i think yeah, as society we're getting more and more acceptable of everything from you know ourselves to opinions to beliefs to you know what everyone thinks of one particular topic whatever it may be so yeah it's um the what's the, there is a there's a the best the just no the best growth happens in no best growth happens in the discomfort or something something like that yeah something on those lines yeah, yeah terrible quotes too I can you butchered that one too thanks yeah, like the pineapple sits in the apple tree it's like no nah, <laughs> <laughs> And uh, how how are you and Blake going? You've got quite a few people involved with the momentum now, which seems pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So momentum's a little, um, not a little project. It's a business um, that um, Blake and I have together. And there was three of us, and you know, even that was a learning process in itself of having a third business partner that didn't didn't work out with. And yeah. um, it's been a really big learning curve in a lot of ways. This business, you know. Yeah. Losing a losing a friendship in in throughout the way that didn't work out and what to do what not to do in business and also working with someone else in a business working with a mate in business now we obviously it's just the two of us bring an investor into to, to business and it, it's been a wild wild ride um, but again we come back to like momentum and like our our big driver behind momentum and like so many men are lost that mm. don't know what it means to be a man they don't have any clear direction or focus or clarity on like what they want to do who they want to be yeah. and so that's what we and we want to create a community of men who think bigger who think like us who aren't satisfied with just going through mediocre emotions mm. and th we wanted to create a community that supports other men who think that way because often what we see is this is a big, big piece of why we started Momentum was, um, you know, you've got your mate groups and often there'll be one or two guys who maybe start thinking a bit differently who don't want to necessarily do the same thing every weekend. And it's it can be hard if no one else thinks differently to you or diff like you in your group and doesn't want to expand and, and think bigger and try different things. And um, a lot of men aren't happy and that's why they're like, spend their days on or their you know weekends or nights and weekends drinking smashing porn you know gambling and none of those things are wrong in moderation at all but yeah if that's all you're like that's how you're that's that's your numbing and escapism and if it's a combination of like netflix gaming porn drinking gambling on the weekends like you know maybe watching sport like watching sports fine but if that's all you're fucking um doing it's not very expansive and so we just want to create environments that like support men to like sharpers themselves but also challenge like we're here to like let's get shit done so we talk about the habit stuff like you know we have like quarterly targets where every guy sets a target and we develop the game plan with them how to get there over 30 over 90 days and we have accountability groups and it's like let's go but it's not like a let's go as in we'll judge you if you don't get it. It's like you're off the wagon. We're like, okay, why? Why just off the wagon? Let's go. How can we make this not happen again? And that's what it's about for us. And, you know, we see a society of men who like 
we talk about masculinity who exemplify the healthy traits of like integrity, you know, and they can lead. They are grounded. They can communicate. They can fight if they have to. They are strong in their bodies. They know no physical strength. They're not these weak, pushover little nice guys, but they are safe because they know when and how to, to use that. Right? The dangerous guys, the guys that aren't trained and aren't strong and don't know what it means to be a man because they're trying to prove themselves in unhealthy ways. And so yeah. we just, we, we're ultimately driven to help men who are interested in this in being better and stepping into a better version of, of themselves. Um, and that was what Momentum's all about for us. So, um, yeah, that's that's been uh, growing and we, we've, we're working with people as well. We've got sort of people who advise and mentor us, which is really cool. A lot of people are quite supportive of, of that project. That's awesome. So, yeah, I guess there's quite a lot of, well, I know I've, I've seen quite a lot of heat on this, you know, toxic masculine, masculinity, you know, um, debate that's happening, I guess, between, you know, everyone's got a different opinion and side and story. But I guess, you know, like, like what you just said then, like having a group of men and, you know, men leading the group that show what, you know, good masculinity is. Because sure, mm. like there's, um, there's toxic females, there's toxic males, there's toxic everything. Yeah. It's about, you know, defining, well, you know, what is toxic and what's not, which, you know, it sounds like what you guys are covering, right? 100% true. I mean, and this is when you can look at, you know, how men are growing up and there's words like toxic masculinity getting thrown around. Mm. But now I was talking about like, what is it? What do you mean by that? Yeah. Like, what does it mean? Is it like, there is no toxic masculinity. There are unhealthy traits that show up in men, just as there are unhealthy traits that show up in feminine women, yeah. you know, and a lot of the, you know, the drivers behind the big feminist movements are actually behaving in unhealthy masculine they're behaving in, in toxic and masculine in toxic masculine um, traits. And so yeah. it's just like, it's just become a fucking mess. And what it's not about one being better than the other or versus like, we're not equal. Mm. Men and women are not equal. We're not built the, the same. Can we do the same things? No, we can't. We need to accept that. It's so and bad. it's about, it's about, yeah, it's biological, you know? And so it's, it's about us understanding these are the cherished and healthy traits of a man. And these are a healthy and cherished traits of a woman. And for the small percentage who feel uncomfortable in their body as a, as a man and, and vice versa, or feel attracted to others, like, fine, go, go for it. I've got no problem with that. But it's yeah. becoming really, really clouded and unclear. And kids at the, you know, at the age of fucking 12 can't be making decisions on whether they want to become a man or a woman or, you know, and if their peers are like unhealthy um, peers or, or mentors or parents or, or coaches, they're going to pick up the, the wrong thing. And so it's really around like education of healthy traits. And to be honest, they're just healthy traits of human beings and some tend to be more aligned to the masculine and some tend to be more aligned to the, the feminine. And so that's what we're uh, a, a about. It's about education on what these traits um look like and for men to feel like comfortable showing up and and because a lot of well, the danger comes from like we there will be natural urges like whether it's like aggression or sexual urges which often we're then told are not okay and some of them maybe aren't healthy some of them probably are fine 
but we're so scared about how to behave. When we when we suppress and hide something, it's going to come out another way when we can't control it unhealthily. That's dangerous, right? If we have people educating us and go, oh, cool, this this drive or this thing that you um, keeps playing in your head or the shadow thought that comes out, like this is how to work through it, right? This is a safe way to express it over here in this environment so it doesn't come out in an unhealthy environment. Yeah. So there's so many different pieces to this um, story around toxic masculinity and, and it's becoming a bigger bigger topic as, as we go and obviously we're going to be at the forefront um, of it. But the thing that we're big on is it's not about us fighting for men and against women. Like when men know how to be men, fuck, it's going to impact the women profoundly. When yeah. men know how to be solid men, women will be like, oh, thank fuck for that as opposed to having to, you know, drag us along. So, um, yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we'll look at start doing some co-events as well because um, Blake and I personally and our mentoring, we work a lot with women as well. So it's kind of, we kind of got a mix of everyone, everything um, yeah. come at us, which is kind of cool. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think, yeah, a lot of it is, is like, you know, that you hear and you, you watch, you know, media and whatever else, it's, it's got to a point now where there's no doubt it's out of control. Like it's like when you're mm-hmm. having an argument with your partner. And it gets to that moment where you don't even know what you're arguing about and you're just saying things because you're pissed. That's what I feel like it's like. Like people like have lot I've seen interviews with women <clears throat> being asked about it that were, you know, claiming, you know, men were being toxic or whatever else. And they, they were asked that question, what is toxic toxic masculinity? And they couldn't answer it. They yeah. had no idea. And look, fair enough, like if that person had been in a situation where they'd seen it and, you know, their partner had been abusive or had said something or, you know, Whatever the situation was, totally that would be a toxic trait. But you know, if you, I think a lot of people jump on a bandwagon of an idea that they think is the right thing to do at the time, mm. and it just just becomes this war between two sides, rather than yeah. being like, All right, mm. what's that issue here? You know, why are we? Why is there this conflict? You know, it's it's mm. that, you know the psychology behind it just amazes me how people can just be not only one mind, you know, single minded, but like just so stuck to their yeah, put their foot in the ground and like, no, nah, this is how it is. Yeah. yeah, well, that's that's ego. Um, and what we're seeing also in this world is it's divisive. Like, if you want to, you know, if you want to maintain control, you divide the groups beneath you. Yeah. It's that simple. And so when people are squabbling over fucking shit like that, there's bigger stuff at play, which people – are not even don't have any awareness of because they're so too caught up in some ridiculous argument about uh, a term they can't even define when there's bigger stuff at play and what we've seen and you know what's gone in the last few years again divisive like families and friends were destroyed because of a belief which we now now know is false yeah. right but we'll we'll cause to like it's fucking wild and there's you're looking at it everywhere. It's just divisive, divisive, divisive here, separate, separate argument. Like you look at what the media pumps out at you. Like we don't realize what's being put into us and and we're always like searching for the enemy and the threat and we'll, we, we'll find them if we're given the little the pointer uh, and made to feel like we're fighting for something. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's dangerous if you're not able to sort of every now and then peel back and go like, well, what am I actually, what do I actually stand for here as opposed to what am I going against? And that's something I have to remember because we were like, obviously, and I wasn't huge on because I felt like throwing, you know, my voice on a on some of the 
conversations that were going on were more antagonistic than like than anything. So I was sort of I'd just say some things here or there, but I wouldn't wouldn't get um like too like caught up in it. But something to, that I were, that was really important to come back to was like, what do I stand for? Like, what am I fighting for? And then look at it and go, okay, cool. Is is what I'm saying actually helping that, or is it not? Mm. And that's a nice way to bring it back to like getting caught up in that shit. Um, and because I just don't know, what are we fighting? What are we standing for? What are we fighting for? Like really? And they're like, yeah, but it's this, and no, that's that's against. That's over there. Like, what what do you what's what's important to you? And it's really important to get clear on 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 that and and make sure that you can fight. I think we should fight for the right things, but really right. know yeah. what that is and why. Even that they've got you know good reason and merit as well. You know, like mm. you see a lot of uh, you know, heaps of, especially on Twitter and you know with um, I always love watching you know kind of Musk's approach where he just like throws little mat you know little <laughs> little yeah. and he just he just tests people's you know pain points and most of the time people break. You know, it's like yeah. it's, it's this like huge <laughs> commotion, and you know it's yeah, just it's based funny. on a simple opinion. And you know he is obviously very clever. Yeah, you know, I'm a big fan of very clever dude, and he's got some you know, actual backed um, opinions when he comes into it, which I think sometimes people find as a threat because you know he does have mm. knowledge, he has power, he's, you know he's successful, he's got wealth, whatever else. And I find it yeah interesting how going back to the you know the whole. Um, yeah, you know, stepping out of the matrix type thing as well. I find people have a different view on people that have done well, like, you know, your Musks or your Rogans or um, Bill Gates or whoever is successful in your mind, whether it doesn't have to be mm. financial, like, you know, it could be fitness too. And people have almost this kind of resentment towards them that, oh, you yep. know, they've, they've done it and I haven't, you know, how have, that's not fair that they're a billionaire and mm. all that, uh, you know, I think, I you know, I find myself in that position too. I'm like, oh, you know, motherfucker has got this, and I want that. And you got to go. Actually, you know, that's just because he's got it, and I don't. Which you know, mm. that's where a lot of the 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 heats of arguments stem from too. Well, that's that victim mentality, right? Poor me. Yeah. Poor me. Yeah. Poor me. You've got it, and you're right. That's where a lot of the um, and it also depends how we're brought up, but I. I can resonate with that being brought up and not being brought up super wealthy at all um, and having this view that rich people were assholes. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because, of course, to be able to make money, you have to be bucking someone over, right? Mm. And But that there's a belief right there is going to block me because to be to be rich means you have to be an asshole and fuck people over. Well, I don't want to fuck people over and be an asshole. So I ain't never going to be rich, am I? So I'm going to stay myself, my little poor pity party in the corner, and throw yeah, stones yeah. at this person over there who's who's made it happen. Um, so yeah, that's that's definitely the things that trigger us. It's to like, what is it about that, that triggers us? Like, what is it about this person that triggers us really at a deeper level? And it's like because they've got what I want, and I feel shame about the fact that I haven't got it. Yeah, I'm jealous, you know. And that's yeah, yeah, and that's what it comes to, and that. It's really empowering though when you can own that part of you. Like that's the shadow, right? It's like, uh, yeah, that's what that is. Mm. Yeah, it's it obviously had Pete uh, Isaiah on the on the on the first episode last, mm. last before. Um, we didn't get into it, but obviously he started. I think are you guys doing that? You know, the around the shadow work too, or you, you're touching into it in your in your momentum stuff, or 
Yeah, so we've had him at uh, retreats, doing some shadow work with the boys. I've done some shadow work with him. Um, so I'm like, I've been learning shadow work to help in what I do with people. And also we bring it to the guys because shadow work's yeah. huge, so powerful. Um, and so, yeah, we love we love the way he holds. Like he holds such a good, safe space. Obviously, you've worked with him as well. And yeah. um, he's just a brilliant man to learn from and he's done his time. Like he knows his stuff, you know. Um, and I've been guilty of this as well in the past, getting excited about a topic and learning it over a weekend and then talking about it and blah, blah. And it's like, he's done his time, you know, and, and he'll, he's also got, which I love, which I respect about people is like, if they're not sure or they don't know, they'll like call it out. It's like, I'm not sure about that. I don't really know, mm. you know, because um, yeah. we also, we also as like, I don't call myself a coach as much more of, as a mentor and business owner, I, I suppose, but I've definitely been in situations where like, I felt like I should know the answer. So I've, I've, I don't lie, but I like let people think that I might know or skirt it around as opposed to just going like, I don't know about this, but I'll go figure it out. Um, and so, yeah, I, I love um, his energy, the way he does things. And I see him as a mentor for, for us, especially in the men's workspace. He's definitely a wizard in what he does. And, you know, I think mm. he does so many different avenues of the work within his field too. So, yeah, got a high amount of respect for him. Um, yeah, uh, mate, I think, uh, that's, we'll wrap it up for, for today, but that was, uh, awesome. and, uh, mate, it'd be good to have you on more often and, um, maybe next time we can talk about something more fun. <laughs> yeah, time. mate, we can go anywhere. We can go anywhere. We can do that for sure. For sure. What have you got on for the rest of your day? Mate, I've got another meeting after this and then we've got some people coming out for dinner. Beautiful. Then mate. hopefully I'll be in bed by 7.30, 8 o'clock. <laughs> Yeah, it's like that, isn't it? Fire and lifestyle, baby. Awesome. Thank you very much. Catch up soon. Cheers, brother.